Hey everybody, welcome to Limitless Radiocast, episode two. Today, we have a very special guest in the house, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, James Klingerman. Stay tuned, it's going to be a great show. Hey everybody, welcome to the show, episode two. We have a very special guest in the house today. He's a three-stripe Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. He has studied Japanese Jiu-Jitsu. He holds a brown belt in Judo. He has studied Muay Thai kickboxing, Jeet Kune Do. He owns and runs Fight Hub headquarters in Indianapolis, Indiana. He started his Jiu-Jitsu career in 1997. He has also competed more than 200 times. It's our honor and pleasure to present to you Mr. James Klingerman. Thanks, James, for taking the time to be with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. How's it going, guys? Good. It's going good, good. man. And the other thing, which a lot of people and a lot of our uh, listeners may not know, is that uh, our one and only Chad was uh, presented his black belt by James a couple years ago, right? It's all Photoshop. Never happened. (laughs) (laughs) Never happened. I thought so. I I saw it on Facebook for the first time. I was surprised. (laughs) (laughs) Did you know, Chad? Did you did you know it was all going down? Uh, No, they everybody kept it pretty quiet until I started getting some ideas that day because so many people were there. Because I was there, Chad. Well, you you played it awesome because originally it was Christian coming to do that charity thing. And then he couldn't. he couldn't come for real because he had to go compete to get points or whatever. And you're like, well, I'm coming. So yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, and then, you know, it's getting busier and my mom shows up. I'm like, what's going on? Like, <laughs> what are you doing here? So yeah, it started playing out. But for, you know, it's hard for most of us jujitsu people to keep secrets, I think, whether it's showing technique or whatever and everybody kept it a secret i don't know how i didn't hear anything yeah that's awesome that's awesome yeah and there was what 100 people there oh at least it was at least it was a ton of people ton Um, of people yeah so like when when we did it how did i do it It was mccarsky right i yeah yeah or no what happened i i started you you for the demo or something and then i said yeah i was like no guys I, i need to use a black belt for this demo and you called McCarsky up. Yeah, I called McCarsky up and then he brought me the belt to give to you, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. And the you know, the best part of it all was obviously Pete knew about me getting my black belt. Right. Yeah. But he but but he also got his that day, which you know, I told many people that were close to me and you know, you, if you guys ever know I'm getting promoted, make sure Pete gets promoted with me. That's just one very important thing that I wanted. So yeah, it was very cool. And then yeah. uh, well, I started teaching again. I was like, ah, all right, guys, that's that's great. Let's that's it. And yeah, then, we're done. And then they're like, what about Pete? I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> Chad. Yeah. <laughs> I've got another we're black Pete. belt right here. Yeah, yeah. How many black cool. belts have you promoted since then? Oh shoot, uh, since then. Yeah. Oh, since, just curious. Let's say all together because I can't remember where Chad. Fell. Okay, all together. Uh, yeah. I think I'm at 16. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. That's a lot. Now you've got me. Now you've got me questioning. Yeah, I got you thinking. Right. Huh? Yeah. So Pete and I were 10 and 11. I know that. Okay. I yeah. don't know if that helps you. I think 16 is the number. <laughs> yeah. Now I That's huge. That's huge. 
You got to look it up now. <laughs> Who was your first? Was Joel your first? No, Matt Strata. Matt Strata, okay. Mm, mm. Yeah. Uh, Who's the youngest black belt you ever, ooh. you know, off the top of your head? Man, I have no idea. I'm real bad with even knowing how old people <laughs> are in general. Like, uh, I don't know how old Chad uh, is. He's old. <laughs> See that beard? If we it's want like, the gray beard. I always think, like, Chad's definitely older than me. He's got gray hair. hair and then I'm like, mm, I'm pretty old. Maybe yeah. younger than me. I don't know. No. Nope. I'll be 46 this year. Yeah, I knew you're a little bit older. but Yeah. So, Terry, if you want the grave details like this, we need to bring AJ on next time to help him. Oh, out. So okay. She's okay. Got, she'll be on the spot with the, with yeah. the details. Okay. That sounds like good. We're going to have to get her on. Well, I like to Absolutely. hear her side of it. And the fact uh, she just got promoted to Brown Belt not too long Brownville, ago, right? Yeah, yeah. She won uh, She won uh, pans at Purple. Um, yeah. Went, had, went down in uh, age group because uh, there was nobody in her age group. And then she also placed third in the Open. But – yeah, she did. Uh, she did great uh, at purple in general. Her first purple belt tournament was uh, Nogi Worlds. And wow, she ended nice! Up bumping up all the way to absolute weight, and she won Nogi Worlds, her first purple belt tournament. And then her last purple belt tournament, she won Pans. So, wow, that's, that's awesome! awesome. That is very awesome. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'd love to have love to have her on and see just that perspective too. I'm always interested from a woman's side of, especially now. You know, I'm still very new to jujitsu and, and learning all this stuff and. Chad's a very good coach and uh, I can't wait to have you in to East coast, uh, you know, since we're an affiliate of uh, the, the James Klingerman. So it'll be awesome to just come in and see some of this stuff that you do and, and everything, you know, and I'm excited for that for sure. Yeah. It's been way too long since I've been out. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably, man, it wasn't last year at all, obviously. So right. 2019 sometime. So yeah, that's crazy. We're actually, I was, I was talking to James and AJ yesterday, so we're working on some things. So see how everything right. goes. We might, uh, Good. we're looking at April right now. So awesome. So we'll figure some things Sounds out. Sounds good. So. Yeah. I can learn some new loop jokes and oh, all man. that stuff. But the, the, all the DVD videos, James, that you have out, I can, I can see them firsthand instead of watching them on screen. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Chad's very excited about this new loop joke DVD. I've been teasing him with I it, gotta for like, have it. Man, like a year now. Yeah. Like, I know I've taught your whole first DVD at least twice. Yeah, that's crazy. At least, yeah. So I love so it, man. That series of the Loop Joke series, Chad, that we did, you know, whatever, four months ago, was that, yeah. is that from there? Oh, was yeah. That, that's yeah, all that's it, okay. Yeah. I, thought, I thought you said during class that that was, yep. that was that's James. From, uh, your first one was from a seminar, right? Yeah, yeah. That first DVD I put out uh, was mostly from a seminar up at Jason Kessler, who's now one of my black belts. Yeah. And uh, I think I spliced in a couple other little loop choke bits from different seminars. But right. Um, but yeah, this one we filmed, we filmed the new one. Uh, we filmed completely fresh and there's probably about 30 techniques on it. Awesome. Um, so better angles, better mic, better camera, all that fun stuff. But uh, my <laughs> my main hang up is I've got about 20 more uh, techniques yeah. that I was like, man, I kind of want to put this on there. And I was like, well, this one leads to this one. And oh yeah, and so I've got like I've got the outline for the uh, oh what what are we call uh, a loop choke obsession DVD, and and then under the outline is like stuff you didn't add, <laughs> so, <laughs> stuff <yeah>. to add. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, do I do I just do a volume two or do I film it? I think I'm just going to do a volume two later on. I was going to say, line. there you go, man. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Volume just, two. 
it was fun that last time I taught it. It was probably a good two to three weeks I taught it every night, except yeah. obviously Nogi night. Yeah. Um, and then guys would come up to me like, hey, can we can I Wild West choke from here? You know, it's just like looking at different grips and all that stuff. <laughs> yes. it's, it's pretty awesome. That's yeah. me. I'm the question guy in class all the time. Nice. Like, Coach, come here. Can I can yeah. I do that? I'm almost 44, man, so I got to use technique. I can't just be like those young cats that go super fast. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'll be 42 this year, and I'm also the weakest human being alive. So, like, <laughs> that's not true. I yeah. Let's have a bench press off or or an arm. Well, I did, well that doesn't. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that doesn't count. <laughs> that doesn't well, count. But Chad's been doing all these push-ups, yeah. James. So like thousands of push-ups. This guy's he's, he's up, up here. He's yeah. like every day. I can't and on blocks now. I can't do twenty can't. push-ups. I mean, I could if you had a gun to my head, but it would be really hard. <laughs> <laughs> um. Back to the loop choke thing. I'm just curious. Is that your favorite? Is that your favorite technique? Uh, uh, jiu-jitsu or do you have a favorite one? Man, I'm not a big favorites guy. Like I don't really have like yeah, okay. favorite anything, I guess. Um, is it whatever presents? Yeah, for sure. We actually had this discussion with one of my classes the other night where um, one of the students asked if I kind of imposed my will or, you know, kind of forced people into my game or if I was more reactionary. And I said, well, you know, yes. <laughs> right. Like yes. I, I, I want to get them into my game. I want to get them into this little funnel mm-hmm. where, you know, my, my a game is what they're having to deal with and forcing them to be reactive. But, but in general, as I'm rolling, I'm pretty reactive to what they're doing, not necessarily defensively reactive or, you know, as a secondary, but like, I just kind of take what they're giving me. Um, sure. which I think sometimes probably isn't the best idea, like from a tournament perspective, but the funny thing was I asked like all the, the other like uh, black and brown belts and stuff that were there, even like the purple belts. I said, Hey, what, you know, what's your opinion on this? And every single one of them was like, we're reactionary. Yeah. I'm reactionary. Even like the yeah. ultra aggressive guys that come from like a collegiate wrestling background, they're like, yeah, we're reactionary. And uh, which I was really surprised to get that answer, you know? Yeah. I'm a big funnel guy. I got to, I, I love funneling into my, my game being 145, 150 pounds. I'm not, you know, not going to take all for both of you guys over time as you learn technique in terms of Chad, you went to the funneling nature, maybe based off your size and whatnot and what worked for you. Oh, and for James, sure. Did that, yeah. that same thing. Yeah, for sure. I was a very, uh, passive <laughs> jujitsu guy. Like I've, you know, had some videos, um, like on YouTube and stuff that I've watched. Like I didn't have grips. I just like, my guard was decent and I had decent flexibility. So I was good at recovering, but looking back, it's like, man, you didn't frame, you didn't have grips, nothing. So that makes sense. I see that. Yeah. I think, I think like in the beginning, it's, it's kind of easy to create a, a a funnel if you will, because you don't know very much. So Mm -hmm. It's like, well, I'm going to go for these three moves and if I don't get them, then it sucks. And then kind of, as you expand, you start getting, uh, you know, you start widening your, widening your base of knowledge. You start experimenting more and you become almost more reactionary. You're, you're more comfortable in more situations and mm-hmm. that's good, but it can also cause the, the issues, right? Where, you know, I, I know at one point, like probably high blue belt, I was just like, I didn't really care where it ended up because I felt comfortable everywhere and that wasn't the right scenario, right? I should have just went out and been like, here's my takedown. This is my guard pass. Like, these are the things I'm going right. to do to you. And, you know, 
there's nothing you can do about it, right? If I'm better than you, you're going to lose because I'm doing exactly this and only this. Um, and, and I'm to net, today I'm really big on game planning, right? Like I always tell my guys have, have a specific game plan when you're training of moves that you want to get better at stuff you're specifically working on. And then when you're going into a tournament, have a specific man, specific is a hard word for me tonight. I have a specific game plan. Like, Hey, th- these are my a game takedowns or guard pulls or whatever. This is what I'm going to when I'm in this position and this position. So like I typically I'll take like four or five top positions, four or five bottom positions, three to four moves per position. And I come in and that's all I drill. Right. Like, and then when I'm rolling, if I'm, if I'm rolling to learn, that's what I'm doing when I'm rolling. If I'm rolling, uh, prepping for a tournament, that's all I'm doing, right? Now, obviously, if you get outside of that game plan, you get outside of what you planned on doing, you're comfortable there, but you're also experienced enough that you can move back into that like A game game plan. So, right on. That's great. That's a great philosophy, actually. And I mean, that's very new for me to hear as a as a young, you know, year in journey white belt of my my journey. And like, I never really thought about it that way yet because I am in that position. And Chad, you can probably contest this by seeing mm-hmm. like, I'm just like, Hey, whatever's there. <laughs> and I will practice anything that, that Chad has taught over this past year. I, I try to do it all the time. Every time I'm rolling, I try to work everyone, but I don't, so to speak, do a game plan. Now lately over the last several months, I've basically told myself, look, you're going to only work on this. Like if it's not there, you're backing out get up, stand up, back out and try again. That's all you're doing. I've literally been in positions on top with neon belly and I've just stood up and said, I got to work, you know, X pass. And I got to try to really start working this more. I'm a bigger person. Um, so I never really thought about it in that philosophy. So that's awesome. That's great. Great for people to understand and listen to. Yeah. Sure. I, and I think like James said, when you're early on, you might not know a whole lot. So you might be game planning and not even knowing it because of what we've taught and how we systematically teach in steps sure. and all that stuff. So. And I feel that when I roll yeah. with, uh, with individuals, um, I definitely feel like I look at that stuff as I'm going and, and yeah, so I do kind of like game plan. It's like, yep, I could do A, B, C, and D and that's it. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> don't, I, I think it helps a lot too. So like we actually, I have game plan sheets that are like print offs that people can take and write their name on. I have a little, uh, file folder. People can leave their stuff there and I tell them, read it, look at it before every class, before we roll in the middle of rolling, if you get to a point where like, man, this isn't my game plan, but I'm having trouble remembering my, the third thing I wanted to do from here, go look at it, you know, go yeah. pick it up and look yeah. at it. If it's not written down, you're going to have a hard time remembering exactly what you want to sure. do. And then, you yeah. know, you can write on, you can make a little tally marks like, oh man, I've hit this one six times, but I'm not hitting that. That's what I need to drill more. Right. Um, and then, you know, like I said, we, typically I'll take four or five top and bottom positions, but um, something as simple as like, I hurt my knee and my knee got real bad for two years. I, I ended up having surgery on it. It's only, only jujitsu injury I've had, um, major injury, right? Like fingers and toes always there's little stuff, Sure, but, uh, my knee was so bad. I could literally only work, uh, like coyote guard, like Lucas Leche guard oh, and wow. for two years. So I had this more of a, like a nucleus game plan, right? Where like everything was centered around that. And then, you know. That's all I was doing. So if I got the sure. sweep and I got to top, I just regarded, <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, for like yeah. two solid years, that's really about all I had. I had a couple guard passes that I was working, but it, they all involved like me not using that left leg at all. And 
I got really good at being on that side with my bad leg down. Right. But the, the, the drawback of that was when I had my knee surgery, my knee was fixed and I was comfortable. I couldn't play half guard on my right at all. I mean, I literally went two solid years without laying on my right side to doing jujitsu. And so, like, you know, I, I remember competing um, in a tournament. It was right before my knee surgery. Had two knee braces on, you know. I go out there, and the guy picks up a single on my right leg. So, my, you know, I'm posted on my bad knee, instantly fall down. Like, I just couldn't stand up. And I was like, no problem. I've got half guard on my on my left side. And the guy backs out, turns my hips, and I was like, crap <laughs> and then, I mean, it was like he, tur- he turned me to my right side he passed me he, he tapped me like super quick you know and um so now like a big part of my game plan is working that dark side like now that my knee's better i'm constantly working on my right and that's what i was gonna ask you if if you just focus on that then because you knew internally and obviously in the physical manner that it was it was giving you problems. So then you're like, Hey, everything else is shut off. I'm just going to go to that side and keep working. that. Yeah, side. absolutely. And then, you know, in a, in a tournament, like if I'm on bottom, obviously I'm going to go to my strong side, but I don't want, I don't want to have my hips turned and then me just be like basically helpless again. Right. So like sure. I'm constantly working and I'm at the point now where a lot of times I'm on my, what was my bad side. And I don't even realize it because it's gotten a lot stronger. Nice just that muscle memory builds in like anything. Yeah. I mean, these yeah. that's what a lot of people tell me with jujitsu now, like I wrestled in seventh and eighth grade. So fortunately that came back to me a little bit, you know, from a base standpoint, but it's not like I was doing anything, but, but I, the muscle memory and now, you know, being a year in, it's like, Oh yeah, the, the certain things are going to certain spots like grips and certain things are happening. So I could, I mean, definitely building. That yeah, absolutely. Could, well, and it's, it's one of those things too, where like, I know all the same techniques on, on my left side that I do on my right side, but you know, just, just not having done them tens of thousands of times over and over, not ha- having done them with somebody who's actually trying to pull their leg out and somebody's smashing me. It, yeah, right. It, the techniques are identical. Everything's identical, but it's just, it's different. You don't have that. You don't have that same connectivity. You don't have the same muscle memory. Like, um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely, my game plan now is work my, my bad side half guard, right? Part of it. Sure. Right on. Yeah. That, no, that makes total sense to me. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Chad? Would that be something that like you, like, I mean, we talk about at the gym all the time about working one side or the other and, and, you know, work that good side. And yeah, I mean, obviously some things are always going to be better on the one side, right? If it's like, you know, maybe a competition, you're going to probably stick and funnel to your good side, right? And maybe not mess around with things. Um, but I used to be a, you know, because most people pass to your right, right? Like knee cuts, all that stuff. I had a couple guys, um, Mike Broom that used to train with us and one other guy that started passing to the other side and I was getting passed so bad. But now that's the way I funnel everybody. For whatever reason, it clicked and that's the way I like to funnel. And that's what sets up like my tripod sweep and all that stuff. So right on. right yeah. on. Awesome. And it's funny you say everybody passes to the right or most people pass to the right. Cause that was right. That was my weak side. So, oh yeah, <laughs> because I had to have my left leg down and disengage. Oh, so, right. you know, it's, it's easy to work now. Um, yeah. I thought it was funny. Uh, um, you guys know uh, Eric Schaefer, call him red. Oh yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. From up in Wisconsin. So, 
he uh he came down and was training with us one weekend and we're all rolling you know and like afterwards he goes man um do you guys all pass to the left on purpose <laughs> and i was like what and he goes all you guys pass to the left i was like i don't I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's on you. He's like, no man, right. like all your guys just passed to the left. I was like, I, I don't, I don't think it's on purpose, but maybe, maybe. Yeah. Something you don't see. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of guys coming down, how has, um, you know, the last year affected you guys from like a training facility, you know, with COVID mm-hmm. going on? I mean, obviously it's affected everybody differently and everything. I mean, is it keeping, are people not coming in training? I don't even know what COVID is. What are you talking about? <laughs> never heard of it um yeah yes and no um so you know we we actually run two academies uh so we talked about my first black belt matt strata he actually opened a academy called endurance and he ran it for about four years and then um he moved to maryland so aj and i actually bought it about it's been about two and a half years now i think it'll be three years in Jan- uh, july um so right now I'm actually teaching up there in the evenings. Uh, we mm-hmm. had a, one of my other black belts, Daryl Smith was there. His job kind of moved him around a little bit. So he was having a hard time making it. And uh, so I've been teaching up there, but that area, the people seem a little more COVID conscious. Um, uh-huh. Now our, our main main, I called it my, our main Academy. Cause it's, you know, the one that's been open for like 21 years now, this March will be 21 years. Um, we didn't have too much of a, a dropout rate. Right. And even we shut down for 10 weeks uh, early in the year. And, um, you know, most people were like, no, just, you know, just keep charging us. And so, I, you know, I'm doing free private lessons and I'm trying to bring people in for free seminars and things like that, trying to make it up to all those people that supported us during the downtime. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah. but the, uh, the other school, the endurance crowd, uh, we, we had a pretty big drop. Um, even, even now I'm still losing students to COVID fear. Um, we had uh, a couple parents last week, uh, with multiple kids in just like, yeah, we're, we're scared of the COVID. Yeah. We're we're scared of COVID. So (laughs) it's like, uh, I mean, and you can't even, you know, you can't even like give them science and just be like, here's, here's all the actual real right. studies, sure. but sure. Yeah. yeah. It's a hard, tra- I, I, that's, I'm always curious. Cause you know, we went through, uh, we, you know, we stopped, obviously, uh, Chad at East coast, we stopped for a while, mm-hmm. you know, and then we came back and then we went, uh, we went to, uh, kind of a s- slow pull back and went to line drills, at least from a jujitsu standpoint. Right. And, um, and just worked out and did line drills and all that kind of stuff. And I'm always curious, like what other people are having to go through. And like my two cents on this is this, I kind of feel and what I have fallen into and what I've fallen in love with about people at the gym is like, no one, no one cares who you are or where you come from. You know, you got doctors, whatever guy works in the oil rig or whatever, all, all different people. But when we slap hands, hit knuckles, it's like transparency. It's like, there's no lying. It's we're together. We're a family. Like, yeah, I didn't go to jujitsu to like train because I wanted to martial arts. It's like, I went to jujitsu because I wanted to be part of a family. So for me, that's what it happened. So I look at it like the COVID thing and I go, everyone here doesn't want to not be here. So they're going to be smart. Like they're just going to do what they have to do and they're strong, young, and you know, they're not going to come here like 
yakking on people and getting sick and everything and trying to pass it and close a whole place down because they want to be here. You take that away. You know, you're like taking a mental thing away from people. You're like breaking people's heart because you're not getting the train, you know, like for you guys, James, for 10 weeks. I mean, that's, that's, I would go nuts, you know, but I'm also a workout freak too. Like I love to work out all the time, but you know, anyway, I was just curious um, from that standpoint of, of how it affected you guys. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was teaching from my basement for the 10 weeks, twice a day. And uh, yes, we, I watched, we just did Zoom. Videos. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we did that and we did have guys that were going in using the weights and, and even doing some comp classes. And I was just like, I don't see it. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going yeah. in. Like I'm not, I'm not going to be involved with it. Yeah. Um, sure. Right. On. But uh, yeah, we, even when we opened back up, we ran some like limited, like no rolling classes, man, honestly for like two weeks. And then everybody was just kind of like, Hey, this sucks let's just get back to rolling. And we're like, yep, that sounds fantastic. Thanks. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> it was funny, man, you know, it. like if you come in and you have the flu, you don't come in. Right. <laughs> if you have a cold, you don't come in. And we just told like, guys, if, yeah. if you feel sick, don't come in. Don't come in. And that's, yeah, I mean, that's standard. Exactly. like, even if you kind of maybe, and that's what we had, we had a lot of guys go, Hey coach, um, I'm not going to come in. I don't think I'm sick, but I felt a little funny. Yeah. And then they'll yeah. call me back like the next day and go, yeah, I tested positive for COVID. Oh yeah. man. And we had, um, just a morning class the other day at 13 in, I said, guys, you know, like in all seriousness, who, who had a positive COVID test? Not like who thinks you had COVID, but who in here got sick, got a test. It came up positive. 10 of my 13 people raised their hand. Wow. wow. And I was like, wow. how'd you feel? And not a single one of them was like, yeah, I felt bad. Everyone was like, oh, I, I had, uh, you know, had the squirts for a day or man, I was having trouble breathing for like two, like barely for like two days. Sure. Nobody, I mean, nobody had anything. AJ, uh, my wife, she got, she lost a sense of smell. Like I think like two weeks ago we were filming. Um, mm. and after filming, she stopped me and she goes, <laughs> she goes, uh, smell my nose. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> And she goes, uh, she goes, smell my nose. I'm like, all right, that's weird, but okay. So I said, oh, you, a great I go, you've got peppermint oil all over it. She's like, yeah, I can't smell anything. And she's like, I'm not stuffy. And then sure enough, the next day she had lost her taste. So we actually stayed away from the school for a week, took, took the week off. So it ended up being like 11 days. Um, and then, uh, yeah, she's. I mean, that was her only symptom. She never, there, never had a cough, yeah. sniffle, fever, nothing. I never got sick. Like, so. Yeah, I've talked to people like that's the only thing. Like they wouldn't, they had no idea until the smell or the taste. It was like either both or one or the other. Yeah. Boom. And it was like, oh, wait a minute. And they had no other symptoms. They were fine. Seems like the people who maybe go to the gym, maybe gym rats or people who work out or whatever, which is science has shown that. Right. That you, you have a better, you know ability to fight it or whatnot, yeah. so, which is good but when you're around people and you actually, you know, or, you get sick, you get bacteria, <laughs> you get things and yeah. you build a natural immunity, yeah. you know, and there's always, sure. you know, and you know, check and speak on that, but there's always, you know, there, there are people who have, you know, compromised immune systems and they need mm -hmm. to take precautions, but that's, that's with almost everything, right? Like mm -hmm. if, uh, you know, <laughs> if I'm going to get sick from, yeah. And I might die from the flu. I avoid the flu. I avoid things that might kill me sure. in general. Yeah. I avoid skydiving because, yeah. <laughs> because it's scary. Yeah. 
you and me both, brother. <laughs> I, I'm not jumping out of no plane tandem with someone else. Like, no, dude. Let me pull it myself because if it's going to be anyone screwing right. up, I want it to at least be. And then you hit the ground and you die of COVID. It's crazy. <laughs> Man. <laughs> let's uh let's get into james's history a little bit okay yeah lineage so just, just the, the yeah so i think you know even before we became an affiliate i don't know how when we met james i mean we were always you know i was always at local tournaments yeah. and it might have been that first ego you had in columbus okay because i took i took some guys down because i think you only did a one in columbus right no Maybe. no we did was it more than three that? or four yeah because okay. we were doing them at D1 Any, and um, it might have been that D1. Yeah, I remember that. I think we did at least. But three that might have been when there. we first met. Yeah, probably. Yeah. That sounds about right. So. Yeah. But, you know, coming up when I did, I started in 04. You know, when you start going to tournaments, you hear names and James's name came up a lot. Right. Because he was competing and um, just met a lot over the years. And, you know, when we had a, a chance to uh, with some affiliation things going on, James was the first guy I thought of, you know, to. Hey, what do you think about this? And we talked and it, and it worked out awesome. So um, let's just get into your story a little bit. I'd like to talk about our lineage because I think a lot of guys obviously haven't met you and know what that lineage is. Okay. I've posted it on our Facebook page and all that, but yep. I don't know how many people see it and really and really get it. So. Yeah. And it's it, when you start speaking of lineages, especially anything outside of like the standard, like it all came from Alio Gracie, it gets a little it gets a little fuzzy. Right. So, yeah. So I'm going to actually pull it up just so I don't mess it up right. when I'm talking about it. Um, so yeah, I'll, just, I'll talk about like my jujitsu journey for a second. Um, so I actually started, uh, well, I started Brazilian jujitsu in June of 97. Um, but I did a little judo and some Japanese jujitsu. Um, we'll, we'll call it Japanese jujitsu. Uh, the guy basically he kind of blended some Taekwondo and judo together and, 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 might have exaggerated his training in the arts of jujitsu like completely. Um, so, so how long did you figure that out? Um, so I, here's the thing I went in, there's a big sign. So it, it said karate and judo. Right. And then there was like a banner that said jujutsu, J U J U T S U. And so me and a buddy walked in one day and, you know, we're like, oh, yeah, I'm interested in jujitsu, maybe some judo, but, you know, um, and he's like, oh, okay. And I said, you know, what, what style of jujitsu is this? And he goes, Japanese. And I'm like, man, I've read like every martial arts book and magazine on planet earth. Like most Japanese systems have different styles to them, right? Like there's 800 million different forms of karate and all this stuff. And, uh, I was like, yeah, but what? what's like, what style? Well, like what, you know, what's the name of it? And he goes, Japanese jujitsu. <laughs> I was like, Oh, okay. Like this seventh degree black belt is obviously more knowledgeable than I am. I'm wrong, you know, whatever. And so I don't know some name. I think my buddy says something about the Gracie's and he's like, Oh yeah, I trained with them. I trained with any name. Some, I don't know. I feel like it was like a Korean first name with the last name Gracie. Um, <laughs> and I was like, Oh, okay. And he's like, yeah, it's the same stuff. And I'm like, okay, cool. So we go in, we start doing it. And like right off the bat, it's like, oh, there's guys with skirts in here. I didn't see any of the Gracie's wearing skirts. And uh, about two days in, I'm like, okay, this is not the same thing at all, like even remotely. 
And a big part of that was like, I literally walked in off the street after watching UFC two and I was tapping out everyone. <laughs> like it wasn't wow. pretty, but like it shouldn't have been happening. You know what I mean? Right. And I don't mean yeah. like a couple new guys. I mean, like I was tapping out their higher belts with like guillotines and, you know, just arm bars and, and things like that. Just literally my only training other than reading books and not really practicing it was watching UFC two and beating up my friends in their front yard. You know what I mean? And, um, so that was my first clue right there, but I was, you know, again, I'm like 16 year old kid instead of going, man, this isn't quite right. I was like, I'm awesome. I'm the best. I'm going to be the UFC champion. I'll totally smoke hoist right now. And, um, but you know, so, so I was doing that. I was doing the judo, I was doing the jujitsu. And, and I mean, I was training every single day, like, and summertime when I was in school, I was training morning and night. So I was there for, I think that was like 95. So I was there for like two years. Um, and we got a hold of like, uh, Hoist and Horion had put out uh, instructional tapes, VHS tapes. So there were no DVDs back then. There was definitely no, there, there was no online streaming. Like we didn't have internet, you know. I, pers- I personally didn't have internet. It was probably around. But so I started watching those and then like, I mean, it was over. Like at that point I was tapping all the black belts and like, just there weren't even like good roles anymore. You know what I mean? And one of my training partners one day, he goes, man, there's a guy that teaches Gracie jujitsu in Indiana. And I was like, oh yeah. He goes, yeah, he's a blue belt. And I was like, the blue belt, I go tap that guy (laughs) out right now. Not really. That really, that really wasn't my attitude, but, uh, I'm sure it was there a little bit. Right. But, uh, so it was a guy named Greg Eldred and, uh, what's that? You were young. Yeah. Then, so yeah. yeah. So all of us, so at this point I'm 17. So I started like the month before I turned 18, but yeah, it was a guy named Greg Eldred and, uh, Greg still runs a, an academy here, uh, in like Northern Indianapolis area. But, um, yeah, so like June 1997, I go in and it's like in this little tiny basement of an insurance firm. And he had just a few guys in there, you know, and, um, you know, hard concrete walls, no padding. I still remember him like making the pads after about a year of like people getting their heads cracked. But, uh, but yeah, we started jujitsu with him and, you know, through, through him, he was under the Horion Association, got to meet, you know, Hoyce, traveled out to Torrance Academy several times and, you know, uh, like met Kaiki and he's actually under uh Kaiki now, but, um, yeah, so I was with Greg for right at two years, uh, maybe about two and a half. Uh, and then we met these two purple belts, Scott and Eric Sullivan as a father and son. And Eric, or Scott had actually, he came from a Muay Thai background. So he was a, like a heavyweight Muay Thai champ. He had fought in Japan, fought shoot fighting in Japan. Um, I think he had a national Muay Thai title was actually in line to fight in the first K one and then got screwed in a, in a fight in Japan. Um, oh, man. Uh, literally beat the, beat the champion all three rounds. I mean, murdered this guy. And, um, I've seen this fight It's horrible to watch because they come <laughs> out. So Scott wins all three rounds and you know, he's like, man, I need to knock this guy out in the third because I'm in Japan. He's the champion, you know, so he kind of, he, he blows his wad that third round and they come out. They're like, okay, round four. He's like, there's no four rounds. There's three round fight. <laughs> round four. 
So he's, he gets out, he goes round four and he's exhausted. He loses round four. He's like, well, cool. Still three to one round five. He's like, what do you mean round five? He's like, come on, man. You said it was four rounds. It was three rounds and now it's four. And now it's five. So round five, the guy comes out, literally rushes across the ring, smokes him right in the face with a headbutt and hits a big overhand, right. And, and not, oh. knocks him out. Oh man. And uh, so he didn't, you know, he didn't get the uh, K one contract. But um, oddly enough, a couple years later, uh, or however, I didn't even know him at this time, so I don't know how long later, he actually got invited to fight in the very first UFC. And oh, and wow. his dad, Eric, wow. was like, oh, it's a that's a circus sideshow, man. Don't do that, you know. And then, <laughs> uh, so he turned it down. Actually, Ken Shamrock took his place in the first UFC. Oh, Shamrock took yeah. his place. No. Yeah, he's, oh, wow. he said he remembers talking to uh, whoever the promoter was. I can't remember if he was actually talking to Horion or if it was uh, somebody else at the time, but he said, uh, he goes, yeah, Scott, if you don't take this fight, we got this guy that fights in Japan. His name's Ken Shamrock. He'll, he'll fill your spot. And How things could have changed. Yeah, right? And yeah. so, um, so yeah, obviously at that point, he saw what happened, and he was like, man, I need to start doing jiu-jitsu. So he started traveling to California and Texas. He was training Machado. He was training Grace. He was training all over the place. And, uh, you know, eventually got his blue, got his purple. He, started, he was uh, running like a mixed martial arts school, so he had guys doing Muay Thai and jiu-jitsu and mma and stuff back before it was called mma but uh they ended up moving to uh new palestine indiana which is a little suburb of indianapolis so we met them in i want to say probably late 98 and so i was training with those guys like two to three days a week i was training greg elder two to three days a week i was doing judo two days a week and um wow i was young i could do it then (laughs) you know or did, you know, that just a little bit of food, a couple hours sleep and just training. Yeah, man. It was just, it was all day training. Like, um, but, uh, but yeah, they were purple belts under, uh, a guy named Mario Roberto. And, um, they had actually brought Mario's instructor and Nebel in from Brazil. Cause Scott was just tired of spending all of his money on all his plane trips and stuff. So they started bringing a Nebel in. Well, Nebel didn't speak English. So Mario came with him and then eventually Mario got his black belt and, uh, they went under Mario. So Mario is actually the one that uh, I got my purple, brown and black from. Uh, nice. So I got my blue from Hoist okay. and then purple, brown, black from Mario. And uh, now I'm actually, now I'm actually under a So I connected with a okay. Um and is actually the one that gave me the stripes on my black belt. So I've been, I've been under a nice. for man. I don't even know the better part of, I don't even know what year this is. This is 2021. I think, I think I met an evil 2015. So about six years now. Yeah. How many stripes you have now? Four, three, four. Uh, This October will be fourth. So I have three, four. You have three. Yeah. So this, this is my 14th year at black belt. Awesome. So awesome! Yeah, every cool. every three years until you get to fourth, right? Yeah, so three, 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 and then and then five. So and then five. Yeah. Okay. Is there an end? I mean, is there like so they they limited at nine? Um, so technically, there's ten degrees on a black belt, and I think most martial arts are ten degrees. Uh, but they kind of uh, I don't know who they is, but <laughs> there was a there was a group of people that sat down one day and just went. Nobody else gets 10 degrees. It's reserved for these original guys. 
Um, and then so now you can only get up to ninth, which a Nebel actually now is an eighth degree. Um, wow. Which is the red or the red, red white? And, red and white. Red and so white. So yeah, they yeah. had they had taken the red and white out for a while, and then they put it back right. in. So yeah, yeah. Um, and I just saw somebody the other day, an old old school guy that had a white belt with a red bar. Yeah. So yeah, I don't who know is that? that uh, man, ah, I, Flavio, Flavio something. Yeah. Uh, Almeida, maybe. I can't remember. Maybe. Yeah, I, read, I can't remember. I, I did. I read a little thing on it, and I can't remember why he said he did it, but. Yeah. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah. But yeah, they did um I think they who was it? Was it Fada? Somebody they did uh they like gave the honorary tenth degree promotion. I mean I mean, he's been dead for a long time, but I believe it was right. uh it might have been Oswaldo Fada. So Yeah. Which is which to go into lineage, that's where our lineage goes, right? Yeah, so kind of, yeah. <laughs> yes and no, right? So if you look at it, it was uh so obviously I started with, you know, Hoist and Horion Gracie, so that's kind of my lineage to blue and then some, right? So almost a purple. Right. Um, but coming from like a Nebel side and, and obviously I I go under Nebel because you know, Mario gave me my purple, brown, and black, and I've been with Anibal. So I was only with, with the Gracies for about two years of my now 24 years. God, I'm old. I've been doing jujitsu over half my life. That's insane. Um, There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so uh, now, <laughs> speaking of lineage, uh, Robert Drysdale has this new Opening the Closed Guard book. And uh, yeah. it's going to have a, a movie. So the book was supposed to follow the movie, but oh yeah, nice. You've got it. Um, but it ended up being the other way. Uh, the movie's just not quite finished. I, I already ran into some like copyright issues or something, but I believe in that. He said, there's actually like some documentation of uh, Franca competing for the Gracie Academy or something. Okay. So I can only give the story that I've been told. Um, there right. might be other stuff that comes to light in the future. So a Nebel's lineage, right? So the story that as we know it, <laughs> as our lineage sets, uh, Mitsuo Maeda only promoted one Brazilian guy to black belt. And that was uh, Luis Franca. Luis Franca only promoted one guy to black belt. And that was Oswaldo Fada. Okay. Um, so Anibal trained under Fada and one of Fada students, white to brown belt. And then because he moved, he ended up with a Gracie affiliate, so an Alio Gracie. Um, so that was uh, a guy under uh, Emilio Ahuda uh, named Paulo Ramita, right? Or did I get that backwards, Chad? Because we, that was a name that recently uh, popped up with. Yeah, when with what I, we were I texted at. you, yeah. at, asking you about lineage because I had found something. Let me pull my. Uh, so written written down, I, I think I wrote it backwards. But so yeah, that was something like it was a name you had brought to me, and I was like, I have no idea who that is. So I asked Anibal, and Anibal said, yeah. "Oh, that yeah, that was my master." But I had always thought Emilio Huda was the guy directly above Anibal. So I think there was, I think this Paulo uh, Romita was right. under Ahuda, who was the guy that promoted Braga. 
And that's the thing is like when you get, you know, I, I'm so far removed from, from the old Brazilian guys, but like the lineage right. is kind of get choppy and, and like how many of us have trained with multiple people throughout the years, you know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. you know, like if I had, if I had another black belt, like if I were training all the time with, you know, I don't know, let's, let's say Atos team or something like that. Well, like, yeah, Nebel's the guy that gives me my belts, but like also I kind of have to pay some homage to the team I'm training most with. So sometimes the right. lineages get a little screwy that way. Um, yeah. But yeah, so so yeah, Maeda, Carlos Gracie, Elio Gracie, uh, Emilio Huda, Paulo Ramita, Anibal Braga, Mario Roberto, me, you. Um, Pete. Pete, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, but if you want to look at the other way, we've got uh, Maeda to, to Franza, to Fada, to Braga, to Mario, to me. Right. A little shorter yeah. on that side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A little more straight line, not, not choppy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, James. But yeah. So, you know, there's a, there's a couple Fada lineage teams like, uh, like, uh, GFT, uh, they're, they're a Fada lineage team. Um, so I know, right. I know Anibal, he trains with a lot of those guys. He's actually kind of went around with, uh, uh, Hadolfo Vieira and done seminars with him and stuff like that. And then, um, uh, Novo is, uh, oh, uh, I was gonna say Novo and yeah, means new union. Right. So that was literally a, a Gracie black belt, uh, which was, uh, uh, Andre Pedinaris, Pedinaris, I can't say it, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, yeah. and then a, uh, Fada black belt, which was, uh, I believe Alexander Wendell. Um, so they're, they're the founders and Wendell doesn't get a lot of, like, nobody knows that guy's name, but th- they were the founders of, of new union. So the team Novo and Yao is a Gracie right. Fada hybrid. Um, yeah. So let's get into, um, I guess just more of your story. You've told it a hundred times. Um, you know, I heard it before I even knew you, um, the, uh, the night you got shot. Oh Yeah. Man, it's hard to remember. So long ago. It's a head trauma. So long ago. Head trauma. Yeah. Uh, man, what is this? This is uh, t- 21. So next month it'll be 21 years. Wow. 21 cool. years. So about yeah. uh, like almost exactly half my life ago. Um, yeah, man. So like I got shot in the face. It was it was really cool and um, fun. It was a good time. It was kind of like going to Disneyland um, and <laughs> eating a lot of ice cream. See, you can say that now, 21 years later. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's how I try to remember it. Um, yeah, no, man. Like, uh, so my, my, I'm going to call her my wife cause she is now, <laughs> she was not my wife then. Uh, so me and AJ, we lived in this apartment, um, Northside Indiana, like nice area, Indianapolis. Right. And, um, we were, we were leaving my, my apartment on a Sunday night to go to my mother's house. My mom was in. Uh, her and her husband went on a little weekend trip to Vegas or whatever. And my little sister was there. So we were going there just to stay with her. Okay. Just for the night. And, uh, for some reason, AJ did not have to work the next day. And I did. So we took separate cars. Um, we had ordered a pizza. So I was going to stop at Papa John's, get a pizza, you know, and I'm sitting there and I'm waiting on this stupid red light. And, uh, this car pulls up next to me to my left, to my driver's side, you know, and looked like somebody waved at me. And, uh, 
I, I glance over, you know, as you would when <laughs> someone waves at you, probably your friend because you're like half a mile from your apartment. And uh, not that I have friends, but, um, you know, I look over and there's this like drunk idiot sitting in the passenger seat and he's like, just flipping me off with both hands. He's just cussing me out. And I, I kind of laughed and I was like, okay, dude, like you're obviously drunk and just being an idiot and nothing's going to happen. And, uh, and my actual thought was like, man, if this guy gets out of the car, like I'm probably going to beat him up because I'm not, I'm not going to let him come over and like kick my car or something, you know? Um, yeah. And, uh, so he just keeps on, keeps on, keeps on. And, you know, I just, I kind of quit making eye contact with him at one point, like his girlfriend who was driving, she leans up and, she kind of gives me this like little don't mess with them, you know, like just leave them alone type motion. Right. And, uh, and then she pulls the car up. So they're, they're a little bit like, we can't see each other anymore. Right. She's they're up ahead of us. And then the car pulls back. So at the time I didn't know this, but, uh, you know, later on going through the court process and everything, I learned that she was pregnant with his kid and this scumbag Mm. literally pulls the gun out points it at her stomach and tells her to back the car up. So, you know, wow. obviously she does, right? She's, she's scared sure. for like, yeah. two lives here. Sure. Um, so she backs the car up and as the car backs up also, this is the longest freaking red light ever. Like <laughs> I'm just going, come on light, turn green. Like I'm done with this guy. But uh, yeah, so the car backs up and he pulls his gun out and I look at it and I'm, you know, I don't know a whole lot about guns, but I'm like, that's going to shoot somebody. I know it's going to hurt if it hits me. So he goes, uh, are you afraid of this? And my first instinct was like, just drive forward, right? Because I'm in the turn lane. I'm supposed to be turning left. So I was like, I'm just going to drive forward. But I didn't want to like hit the gas and then run into somebody and then also get shot. So I... I glance, I, I, you know, I I check both ways. I look in the rear view and before my foot even comes off the brake, man, I was shot. Um, it went through my, you know, I went through my window, shattered my, uh, driver's side window, knocks me over into my passenger seat. So like just my head, like my, my butt, my hips and stuff are still in my driver's seat. But, uh, like I had my seatbelt on. So like it broke, (laughs) you you know, you know how your seatbelt stops you when you get in a car accident, like the bullet hit me hard enough. It broke that. Um, so I'm like, you know, my head is kind of in my passenger seat. So I'm, I'm hunched down and like, I'm instantly just, there's this loud, just screaming in my ear. So I'm, I'm deaf. I can't see anything. I'm completely blind. And I don't know if that was just from the concussion or if I had blood in my eye or, um, my, my left eye, I'm still completely blind in, um, like 98%. Like I can get a little light or whatever, but, um, sure. But yeah. So the bullet hit me right in the cheekbone, knocked me over. And I took a second just to kind of shake it off. And then I, my, my first thought was like, I'm blind. I'm deaf. This guy, I could literally have bullets whizzing by me and I would have no idea. You know, he could be just boom, 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 boom. He could be walking up to finish me off. Like, I don't know what's happening. So I just, I, I hit the gas and I just started honking the horn, just da, 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 you know, and I'm like driving and I'm kind of like blinking my eyes and, and I'm kind of like, after I go a little bit, I start kind of peeking up over the, over the dashboard and I start seeing little, little lights, you know, I can kind of see little just tail lights and stuff, but just barely. And I end up just kind of rear ending a guy. So like, I kind of clipped his passenger side with my driver's side. Right. And at that point I was like, okay, I've definitely got somebody's attention. So, 
you know, I stop the car, I get out of my car and the guy's like, he's all automatically on his cell phone. Um, so this is 2000. You know, I didn't have a cell phone. Cell phones were like, you know, what rich people had. Um, and I did not because <laughs> I was not rich. Um, so, you know, I get out and I'm like, Hey man, call, call 911. I just got shot. And I go and I lean on his car and like, this is the part that's always funny to me. Like just my kind of thought process. Um, so I lean on this guy's car and I just have mass amounts of blood just spewing out of my head. Right. Like to be super graphic, like it's like just like, like basically with my heartbeat, right? Like all my blood is just going all over this poor guy's car. And that's my thought is like this poor guy here I am bleeding on his car after I rear ended him. Like, (laughs) so uh, it's not funny (laughs) so i like it's okay to laugh (laughs) so like you know i'm like oh sorry bro and so i go over and i kneel down in the street and as i kneel down like i look up and there's a sheriff's deputy walking toward me and he so he had seen the collision but obviously didn't see the gunshot so i I literally i just point i go some guy at that stop at the light just shot me in the face and uh I used I used a cuss word in there too, but he's like, and he just kind of froze. Like he, I could tell he was just like, uh, and he goes, give me your license and some phone numbers. And so I just, I literally just pulled my wallet and I threw it at him. And I was like, there's, <laughs> there's my stuff. And like, I'm trying to remember, like my dad had just moved in like with a, with a, uh, like a roommate basically who's renting an apartment from this lady. And I didn't have his new number. And again, before cell phones. Right. Um, and I'm trying to remember my mom's number, but like, you know, my little sister's on the computer and then dial up. So, uh, but yeah. And then, um, and then another sheriff's deputy comes up and she and the original deputy are arguing over whether I should lay down or stay upright. Um, I chose to stay upright cause that's where I was and I was alive. So <laughs> I was like, I'm staying where I'm at. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, and then the ambulance showed up and they made me lay down on the horribly freezing cold, uh, overpass and then decided to cut all my clothes off me. So that was nice. And, and I don't like the cold. It's me and the cold are not yeah. friends at all. Like it's odd that I like ice you- cream, but the cold, not so much. <laughs> yeah, It's cold there. Oh yeah, right man. <laughs> well, and you got to think February, right? They're like, we're still in winter. So <laughs> yeah. it's like, I don't think there was snow on the ground, but there might as well have been like, it was, it was like laying on ice in my underpants while having lost a ton of blood. It was, that was the worst part of it. Like it's just being cold. I didn't like it. Sure. Do you ever sit, do you, do you think any of your training up to that point kicked in like survival type? I mean, obviously everyone adrenaline is going to pump anything severe. Like this is like, I always think when I first heard your story, um, you were on with, uh, Gary and uh, Thomas on roll radio, you know, shout out to those guys they are doing a great job. Oh, yeah. Keep it up. Um, when I heard that, when I heard your story, the story the very first time, uh, that's what I thought of. I was like, man, like your instinct of all the training that you've done, you know, tr- twice a day up to that point, like that has to have a, an effect in someone that has it. It's like a guy training for the military and have something bad happen in the military. Like that kind of kicks in. So I was always wondering, I wanted to ask you that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, like I, I, I think most people just would have laid down and died. Um, because honestly, like there was, there was something in me that that was a choice. You know what I mean? It was like, Hey, yeah. circle A, B or C. <laughs> I was like, uh, let's, let's go see. Like I'm getting out of here. But, uh, yeah. yeah there, I mean, there was just this little option of like, Hey, I could lay here and die or, you know, I could, I could fight this. I can, 
I can, I could have choose to like get out of my car. Like, so it was like all this like super ultra high pressure problem solving, right? Like what's, what's, what's right my on. best answer to what's going on here? Like, okay, I've got, I've got to get out of here. Right. I've got to, I've got to hit my brake like, or hit my gas. Like I'm driving blind. Okay, cool. I've hit, I've hit somebody. I've got somebody as attention. So there's all these things going on. And, and I think that's a direct relation to what we do in jujitsu. At least it was for me. Right. Um, I think, uh, and I gave the speech at, at our new year's, we do, um, uh, Hatsu Gecko, which is first training. So we do it every new year's day and, you know, jujitsu, we, we always think of it as gentle art. Well, that, that term ju can also mean like, like flexible or giving. Right. And you hear the old analogy of like wind will knock down the mighty Oak tree, but the bamboo survives the the strong winds because it, because it's flexible and it goes with it. Um, and, and that's, to me is the ultimate definition of Jew. Okay. So it's just about kind of being, being flexible and giving with the scenario. And, and that's kind of what I looked at was just like, I'm, I'm here. I gotta, I gotta fix what's happening. Sure. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a great, and that's, man, that perspective on it is amazing. It's actually, it's good advice for people in everyday life you know, to try to look at it that way. They don't have to go through something like terrible, like a random act of violence as you did, um, you know, but to, to keep that mindset, like I try to teach people all the time, like your mindset obviously makes a huge difference in what you're going to do in your life and how you react to things and stuff like that. So it's very inspiring. Um, one thing I was wondering, so did it, that same mentality help you recover, say, get you back into training again? Cause obviously you had a that time where it was like, crap, I don't know if I'm ever going to get to do this again. Something I love. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I actually, um, I heard something today. Um, uh, Maria Menudos, right. Uh, she's like a TV personality type person. I don't know. She hosts some TV shows and stuff, but she actually, yeah. so her mother, uh, had a brain tumor. And then sh- a short while later, she was actually diagnosed with a brain tumor. Um, she's very, very oh, wow. young, but she was talking about it. And she said, she remembers her father saying, why does this happen to us? And she said, you know, why not? She's like, it happens. So she's like, we're not special. (laughs) You know, she's like, we're all people. If it's going to happen to somebody, like we're, we're somebody. Um, And I kind of not necessarily looked at it that way, but I never really went, well, why me? Or, you know, all these, these bad things. And, and, and sure there's times where you go, you know, I wish that didn't happen yesterday, (laughs) like, you know, Um, but it was one of those things where I knew enough. I, I was aware enough that I needed to keep a positive mindset. You know what I mean? Like I think so yeah. many people don't survive uh, life altering, whether it be an accident or, or, you know, just, just something, uh, something personal that goes wrong. I think a lot of people don't survive that simply because they, they lose that positive mindset. You know, they, 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 yeah, they sit happened. around yeah. and they go, oh, what was me? This happened to me. And, and, and even, even right off the bat, I was like, man, this happened. Let's just, let's just move on. Let's get over it. And let's just, just keep going. Oh, I, I'm not going to do jujitsu again. Cool. How am I going to do jujitsu again? You know, you say I'm not going to yeah, do yeah. these things, but I'm just going to figure out how I am going to do them. Um, yeah. okay. and you know, for a while, like I wasn't training, but I was, I was on the mat 11 days later. Wow. Wow. Now I wasn't training, but I was pointing <laughs> and I was telling guys like, Hey, don't, don't, don't yeah, do you this. Were present. Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, man, it was, it was probably, I think three months I would just kind of go in, I would sit and I would just kind of talk guys through things and help out a little bit. And 
then my doctor came and he said, okay, like, yeah, man, you're, 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 uh, my, my face plates. Like I can, I could train, but I couldn't get choked. Okay. So I've got two, I've got two plates that reconstruct my uh, left cheekbone. And they were like, yeah, the tissue and stuff is healed good enough for us. You know, if you get bumped or whatever, it's not going to hurt you. Um, but don't get choked because your eye is still messed up. Like, um, oh, it, uh, it ripped a hole in the back of my eye and I had scar tissue and stuff. So I actually had like two or three eye surgeries where they took my eyeball out and did all kinds of weird crap to it. Um, I they had to reattach my retina and just, just a bunch of stuff like that. Um, so I just trained arm locks, leg locks, positioning, right. And anytime somebody even get near my neck, I've just tap. It's like, Nope, can't, can't do okay. that. <laughs> can't have any. And it wasn't even just chokes, but pressure. Right. So I wasn't allowed to strain. I wasn't allowed to like at one point, I think for the first three months, I couldn't lift over five pounds. Um, I remember I had a delivery one day and the, the, the delivery guy went to hand me the box and I was like, sorry, can you set it down? And he like looked at me like I was an idiot. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm, 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 I can't lift that. I'm sorry. I'm not allowed to please just set it down. I'll kick, I'll get my wife to kick it in later. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it was just, I, I worked with what, what I had and what I was able to do. And then what, six months. So August I went in, had a doctor's appointment on a Thursday and he said, yeah, I think you can get choked again. Awesome. So Friday I hopped in the car, I drove to Tennessee and I competed on Saturday. Oh, wow. Wow. Nothing like hearing those words. Hey, you can get choked again. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then I'm like, yes. Okay. <laughs> you're right, you're right. I've been waiting six months for this. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was, there's really something to be said, like you said, for that martial arts mindset of not quitting or not giving up. Um, somebody, you know, James was very fortunate before years ago to come to one of our cancer awareness seminars and teach. And he met Mr. Hyman, um, as you guys know, battled cancer for a long time. And I remember, I remember getting to the hospital when he was given, like, I'm going to say three to six months, I could be off on that, but he fired that doctor on the spot and said, I don't accept that. Yeah. That's so awesome. You know that, I mean, like you said, I mean, you either have it, you have a choice, which way are you going to go? And He made it, I think, almost five years with stage four cancer, which is, and he was in rolling with a port, like the chemo port. He would come in and roll with us. Like, yeah, I remember the, (laughs) yeah, the very first time he gathered us all up and he's like, listen, I'm going to roll. I have a port in. If it breaks, don't call the ambulance. I'll die on the spot. Now, who wants to roll? I'm like, what? (laughs) No. Like, no one now. (laughs) Yeah. Nobody now. But. Good yeah, Lord. But, um, yeah. There's tenacity in martial arts, though. That's one thing, you know. I try to tell my kids. I have three kids, James, and uh, they're they're all young. And I try to teach them and tell them. They, you know, ask me even now. They see grappling, Daddy. Why would you do that? And I go, it's it's building your tenacity for me. It's like I want to know who I am. I, I want to know that I can carry the load always as a as a man, a father, whatever. My, for my yeah. wife, for that matter or for my friends, um, the people I care about, like you guys. Uh, so, and, and, you know, I teach them that the tenacity of martial arts is different than other things because that's what it teaches you. It teaches you kind of that no quit attitude, you know, it builds it in you it, it, and it's from years of doing it, from seeing things, uh, you just keep going, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's a little bit in all martial arts, but, but I think the grappling arts, wrestling, judo, sambo, jujitsu, especially like, we get a lot more of that because there's literal physical pressure crushing you all the time <laughs> when you're on top, when you're on bottom. Um, 
you know, there's this pressure and you always just, you have to consciously work through that. Um, and I, I, I think that's just, that's, that's a different animal that like most people just don't experience. You know what I mean? Like there's almost nothing in life you can do that that's similar to that, that grappling pressure that you're just, and, and I think jujitsu, especially mainly because in jujitsu, you can literally get smashed on for five minutes, you know, wrestling, judo, sambo, they have pins, right? So like 30, three to 30 seconds, you're pinned, you lose, you're done. But jujitsu, man, like you can just go through hell for the the whole time. And like, it's not like you can just give up. You don't tap from pressure. I mean, people do it all the time, but like, man, you just, you, you keep fighting and like, and you know, and how many times do you, have you been halfway choked unconscious and you just keep going? You know what I mean? And you get out of it and you're kind of loopy and your hands are barely working, but you're still fighting. Um, and sure. I just think that, you know, the guys that, that train jujitsu have that little extra edge in that mindset that, that even the other martial arts don't have. Yeah. Let's get into a little bit of some other things James does, you know, obviously runs a, bi- a couple businesses. How many, uh, how many affiliates do you have now? Thir- what are you 13. Up to? Uh, so 13 counting my two schools. So I guess it's my two schools and okay. 11 affiliates. Wow. That's more than I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. So we've got 10 of us here in Indiana and then uh, you and Jacob in Ohio. And then we've got Milo down in New Mexico. Okay. New Mexico. I was right. I was telling Terry, I thought it was New Mexico. Yeah. Uh, Artesia, um, New Mexico. The city is literally right. a three by three square, three mile by three mile square. It's a, really? it's a super cool little town, but it is tiny. That's- they have the, how many students they have? Oh man, not a lot, not a lot, but I've done some seminars down there, man. And we've had, we've That's had right, some yeah. semi like 25, 35 students, you know, show up to seminars. So, um, wow, that's so uh, I'll talk about Milo for a second. Milo, uh, shoemaker. He's a, uh, I gave him his blue belt, very tough guy, former military. Um, but he, uh, he's under, uh, his mixed martial arts program is actually under Greg Jackson. Um, so uh-huh. He needed more of like a, he also wanted uh, more of a jujitsu thing. And one of my old uh, students uh, from like, man, when I probably like right after I got shot, the guy who trained a little bit um, ended up. So he had trained jujitsu all over. He ended up down there teaching a kid's jujitsu program and just randomly contacted me on LinkedIn, which I never use LinkedIn. And 99% of the time when I try to put my password in LinkedIn, it doesn't work. (laughs) <laughs> but I've never changed the password and sometimes it does work anyway. So it worked that day. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he was like, Hey, don't know if you remember me, but I'm down here teaching this thing and you should come down and meet this guy. And so like I said, set me up a seminar, man, and set up a seminar, went down, hung out with him for like, man, we stayed four or five days down there and just really got to know him, man. And like cool, cool community. Like, you know, good people down there. Like, like we, we felt like they belonged right away. And, um, yeah, they became affiliate and I eventually ended up giving, uh, giving Milo and I've throughout the years, I've promoted a couple of his guys to, you know, blue belt. And yeah, this is a cool, cool little, cool little experience. And, um, yeah, that's awesome. But the last two times I've gone to New Mexico, I've gotten stuck in, uh, the airport, the Dallas airport overnight for 20, 24 hours, both times. <laughs> <laughs> Like a good so, time. so now when I go to New Mexico, yeah. I just like, I'm like, Hey guys, I got to get my classes covered for the an extra day. At least <laughs> you're already <Yeah>. preparing. 
Wow. So along with that, your affiliates, your own gyms, all that stuff. You also do the Fight Hub stuff. Yeah. Film some DVDs, yep, yep. all that good stuff. So yeah, the, uh, yeah. So my website's the Fight Hub. Uh, the website is horribly outdated right now, but we're actually working on updating it. So um, it's man, it's actually a really, really cool little. Uh, I say a little website. We've got about nine thousand products on there. So we uh, drop ship with tw- uh, twenty-one different companies. We drop ship. Um, you know, companies like Fuji, Gameness, man, uh, Kiko Rasa, uh, Harbrock, like just, just a ton of, a ton of, them, right. Yeah, yeah. Defense soap, like you name it. Um, but then we also, we, we make DVDs for, you know, like I've made some of my own D- and young kids, you have to forgive me. Some of it's online streaming. So when I say DVDs, <laughs> it is streaming online and you can purchase the physical DVD, but, um, you know, I really, I just started to sell a couple of DVDs and then it just grew from there. So, um, you know, we, we have our, we have our instructional content. So it's me, it's, it's, uh, several other instructors, um, work with another guy right now. He's got a, an instructional we're about to put up. Um, my loop choke DVD will be up really soon. I actually just realized the other day that my high collar passing instructional isn't even on my own website. Um, what? it was, what? it was on sale on BJJ fanatics yesterday. And then I realized I never even put it on my own site. So, wow. um, so pick up James Klingerman, high collar passing and BJJ modified overhook instructionals at bjjfanatics.com. Um, there you go. but, uh, yeah, so I'm making my own instructionals, making some for other people. Um, we have a, a an academy like, um, directory on there. So where you can like enter your academy's info and pictures and videos and some stuff like that. Just to have another source for your, you know, exposure. We have, uh, I'm doing a lot of custom gear. So, you know, I've, I've been importing stuff for about 20 years. And so I've just kind of, I've got a couple, a handful of uh, manufacturers that I trust. They make good products. I know which products they make well, which products they don't. And so, um, yeah, I've been doing a lot of custom gear. Oddly enough, like over this whole, whole COVID shutdown thing, um, I've, I've, just been doing a ton of like custom like man beanies and rash guards and shorts and sports bras and like i mean you name it man geese for uh some of our affiliate schools and then but more for like other like other academies just random people that you know have have contacted us online and stuff um what else oh the affiliate program so uh the the website actually has an affiliate program where you can sign up, get an affiliate, and then you get at least a 10% kickback on anything that's sold through your link. So you, you can literally just start a, your own business, your own online store um, with a few minutes of work, you know? Uh, so it's, wow. it's really cool. And like I said, we're revamping all of it. So like, I think our affiliate, uh, the affiliate program is actually not working right now. Um, they, they restructured some of their stuff on the back end and now it doesn't work on my end, blah, blah, blah. So, but all that's getting revamped. It's going to be really cool. The streaming's going to come out a lot better. Um, yeah, so it's a really cool site. Uh, what it what it does, but it's just it's kind of old and outdated. Um, so restructuring that, and that'll be awesome. Sounds great. Yeah, Sounds really awesome. Along with that, I mean, you know, everybody has a streaming curriculum now. Um, so we talk about. I know we've talked a little bit about your the foundation curriculum coming out. Yeah. So our blue belt curriculum, basically, uh, we've always called it the foundation, you know, and, and it's just based on, uh, in order to create anything, any kind of structure, uh, you know, whether it be a sc- skyscraper or a pyramid, like you name it, 
it needs a strong foundation. Uh, the higher you want to build it, the, the stronger the foundation needs to be. Um, and, and I truly believe that's the same with jujitsu, you know, and, and, and it's with anything, right? Like, uh, if you want to learn to, to shoot weapons, like if you want to learn to sword fight, if you want to learn nice handwriting, if you want to learn, uh, you know, anything really, you need to develop good, solid fundamentals before you can do all the advanced stuff. Um, for sure. And I think now is like a great time because looking at some of the modern jujitsu, not, and I'm not knocking modern jujitsu by any means. Like I think modern jujitsu is fantastic. Um, but a lot of the people who are starting jujitsu now kind of gravitate toward that flair. And so you've got guys that are brown and even black belts now that don't have strong fundamentals. Um, so our like white to blue belt curriculum, we were one of the first organizations in the U S that had a, a curriculum for our white to blue belt. Um, now ours is very extensive. I've seen some of the other ones like, Oh, here's 32 moves. Our white to blue belt curriculum is about 400 techniques, um, which you say, wow, but, and, and yeah, and yeah, wow. Like it is a lot, but if you look at it, right. We have six basic positions in jujitsu. Okay. So guard, mount, side control, neon belly, rear mount, turtle. Okay. Now you have top and bottom of each of those. So that's 12 positions right there. Just the positions themselves. Okay. Not, not even any variations of those positions. So we're at 12 things. Okay. So now add an entry to those positions and then an escape to those positions. Okay. Now add a couple entries and a couple escapes, right? Um, so add some submissions from those positions and then add the defense to those submissions. So like it just kind of exponentially grows. Um, sure. Yeah. So what yeah. we've kind of done is just, just trimmed it down and went like, okay, like here's a couple cross chokes. Here's a couple ways to defend a cross choke. Here's a couple arm bars. Here's a couple ways to defend the arm bars, but like very standard stuff. Um, and I, and it, it's pretty well organized. It's, it's very well put together, but we've been, I've sat down many times to film this and the, my, my filming partners always they've moved or they've <laughs> just gotten a new job or whatever. Um, but I, I've got a, I've got a good solid guy. He works full time for me now. Um, but he, he's my, he's my partner during filming. He's actually editing the videos. He's actually the guy building the website. Uh, he does like introductory lessons at my school for new members. He does the like ultra super, uh, beginner class for guys that come in on their free month. Um, so I've got him. He's, he's, he's there. So we've been filming several hours every Friday, but, um, but yeah, it's going to be a, a cool, uh, cool membership site. Um, and it's going to be cheap, man. Like I feel like a lot of these membership sites are just a little overpriced for what they offer. So right now the plan is to have, um, like a free section, just kind of like, uh, maybe like basically like what I teach as an intro class at my academy when you first come in, um, have that up, maybe a couple of little things here and there. And then, so that'll be all free. Then the next level is the foundation itself, the full blown foundation. Um, and that'll be a small monthly fee. Right. And then you have access to literally like the 400 techniques. Uh, and then the, the next level will be like just the, ex- the expansion pack, if you will. Okay. So, Looking at it, it might be like uh, the foundations of butterfly guard, the foundations of spider guard, foundations of passing, foundation of the guillotine, like whatever. Um, so, and then I'll probably just go ahead and throw in like all my other instructionals in that that third tier. Um, 
and they were actually like talking it. about like yeah. a fourth tier where it'll have um, like business coaching type stuff. Um, you know, Very cool. I, I don't know if you know, like my, my AJ, my wife, she, uh, a couple of years back, she actually won the Glazier Kennedy um, uh, International Marketer of the Year for the service industry. Um, oh wow! So she's she's pretty good with that stuff. Awesome. But um, but yeah, so we we've kind of got some really good systems as far as running a martial arts school go. As far as like you know, uh, customer acquisition and retention and reactivation and stuff like that, um, and just just the daily ins and outs like. Hey, here's a cool little cleaning checklist that you should probably have to make sure things are getting clean. Like here's, here's a, here's a good outline for things your instructor should do while teaching. You, you know, um, I, I literally have checklists for my coaches that start with unlock the door, turn the light on, <laughs> right? Like, and then, and then guess what they end with? Turn the light off and lock the door. <laughs> so it's pretty detailed. Um, Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong. Sometimes that doesn't get done. Right. I don't, I don't have that list at my, my second Academy. I just, you know, it it was one of those things where it was already running and I kind of came into it and the number of times I show up and the doors unlocked is just (laughs) this asinine. (laughs) It's crazy. Right. Right. Yeah. I need to put it. I'm going to put the checklist on the door, lock the door. Yeah, exactly. Um, And then online, also online, I, I should mention, I've been helping Christian with Monzi with his uh, Logic BJJ online site. Um, so we opened actually with his full uh, De La Hiva instructional, reverse De La Hiva, and 50-50. And then at Christmas, we added uh, his favorite things instructional, which is like, man, it's like 63 moves on that one alone. So I think his site now has, uh, what, like we're at like 150. 50, 160 uh, techniques on that. And then I know the goal is to try to update at least one video every single week. So he came out recently. We filmed some more content, did a couple classes, a couple seminars. Um, And then the goal is just to to be filming as he's traveling and he's going to send me the stuff. I'll try to get it all edited, get it up, and we'll start adding videos on on a weekly basis. Um, And there's a his is a real simple monthly or, or yearly payment site, but it's, it's a cool site. Um, yeah. So I've, I've been on the back end on that kind of organizing and doing stuff with that too. Yeah. What a cool dude too. Oh yeah. yeah. We've had him, in, you know, we've had him in probably four times now. Yeah. So he, he's just a cool dude. Uh, breaks down jujitsu very well. So along with that, you know, James has many hats he wears. So let's talk about the ego. So ego is a tournament that James runs, uh, extreme grappling open, right? Yep. Yeah, so we started uh, we started ego in two thousand and four. Yes, late two thousand four, um, and then it grew to where we were running six events a year all over the Midwest. We we're doing like Columbus, Nashville, uh, Indianapolis, obviously um, Louisville, and then we would usually bump out. So we did one like at the Trump Taj Mahal out in Atlantic city. We did, uh, we did, uh, St. Louis, Missouri. We did one in Memphis. Um, and then, so we had like five solid ones and then we would float one every year. Um, and then, and I really don't remember what happened. We just started, uh, it was just travel, man. It was just cause we, we, we kind of, we don't like to show up and try to find refs. So we would travel with all of our refs and all of our table staff. We had, a, we had a, we had a special program written just for the ego. And so 
you know, you couldn't just walk in and train somebody on how to use it. Like they had to know how to use it. Yeah. Um, so it was like taking like 25 to 30 people with us every single event. And so we ended up just doing the three in Indianapolis. Um, and then obviously 2019, we tried to run one, um, and then ended up canceling it. We just, we just were a little short on the amount of people we wanted pre-registered, pre-registered, um, and then, so usually we do like April, August, November ish, something like that, or April, July, November. But um, I know we're not going to do an April one this year. Uh, we may do like a big end of the year ego, just do one this year. So, yeah. but yeah, it's a it's a it's a cool tournament. Like some people love the rules, some people don't. But we do gi and no gi, um, and uh, we allow a lot more submissions than most tournaments. So even at white belt, I allow calf slicers, bicep slicers, toe holds. Um, we allow leg reaping. I mean, when I, when I started jujitsu reaping, wasn't even a term, right? Like the, the, I, we didn't even know what it was. Like, I remember going to a tournament and they're like, guys, no, no reaping. And there was like a bunch of us, like black belts were like, what the hell's reaping? Like, we had, like what? <laughs> and then, you know, they look at us like we're dumb and we're like, what, what do you mean? You can't do that. That's how you do a leg lock. So you can't do leg locks. And they're like, no, you can do leg locks, but you can't reap. So hold on. I can't throw my leg over to get a leg lock, but I can, leg but lock. I can leg lock. And I was like, that's like telling me I'm not allowed to put my leg over the head when I arm bar. Yeah. And, and they're just like, Oh, and, but, but it's one of those things where, because you couldn't reap now leg locks have evolved so much. I mean, that's not the only reason they've evolved. Right. But, right. but like the way people are doing leg locks, IBJJF legally has completely changed. Right. Like they're much more prominent now because people have figured out workarounds and how to do them without reaping. Yeah. What'd you think about that? That they added that, that they're, were they adding that this year? The heel hooks? Uh, is it the heel? Yeah. yeah so the they, they've added heel hooks for adult black belt. Okay. Um, so master's black belt, no other belt level can do it. Uh, so only adult black belt and man, I'm, I'm 100% fine with it. I've, I've always competed. I, I don't even know. Outside of IBJJF, I think every no-gi tournament I've ever done allowed heel hooks. Yeah. Oh, wow. And I've never, never even thought for a minute, like, well, I'm not doing that. Yeah. You know, like it was just, it was always a part of jujitsu. Um, sure. Yeah. Like. It's part of your repertoire. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I. I, I, I think that's. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Chad. I was just going to say, I think that's going to shake things up oh, for the IBJJF. Yeah, sure. definitely. Great point. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to. It's going to allow some guys that may not have done well to do much better. You know what I mean? Exactly. Because there, there are some guys out there with phenomenal leg locks that don't have that point style down. Or they're, you know, they're good at jiu-jitsu, but they have that definite leg lock edge over a lot of guys that may fall into leg locks or heel hooks specifically because... They don't, you know, they don't practice them all the time. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, that's what we see every, what, every two years at ADCC. Yeah. Somebody's, you know, heel hooking and a lot of guys aren't used to defending it or. You yeah, know. I mean, look at Lachlan Giles. Like, who, man, he got what, like three heavy, like super heavyweight guys. I know it was Muhammad yeah. Ali and, man, I can't remember. Kynan. Yeah, Duarte. Yeah, like, man, got some good guys. The guys that are probably, you know. And I don't like saying it like this, but you think the, those those guys are better at jujitsu, right? Like those guys have a right. lot more accolades as far as like competitive jujitsu goes than than Lachlan does. 
Um, right. And then he smoked them <laughs> like with yeah. relative ease. You know what I mean? Like he got them directly into his funnel and led them right exactly where he wanted them. Yeah. Absolutely. And because they weren't familiar with it, man, they fell right into it. Yeah, I think that's where like uh, a couple ADCs ago, Craig Jones had like his coming out party. Yeah, like he was just leg locking everybody, and yeah. I think that's that, D- that DDS style. They funnel everybody right to it. It's gonna definitely shake it up. Yeah, for sure. I'll tell you, I like I like Craig Jones a lot, man. We actually we had him out. Um, he came from uh, Jacob Props place, and oh yeah, he was he was traveling from Props to St. Louis, and Props is like, hey dude, hit him up because he doesn't have anywhere to be on Friday night. Yeah. And so I, I messaged him and I said, Hey man, um, you want to swing in and do a last minute seminar at my place Friday? And I said, I think I could pack it. And he's like, yeah, man, yep. I'll come through. And so we set it up. I mean, like, I don't know, it was less than like 24 hours notice, but I put it out there. We packed the place and man, he taught, he was a very good teacher. He taught a really good seminar, but, um, what really made me like him, man, is we're, we're sitting there and he was showing something. And this guy from an, uh, uh, another school, he uh, he goes, so, yeah, man, what uh, what do you do? Like what le-? the way he asked, he goes, what leg lock do you go for when that one fails? And Craig just stops and he like stares at him and he kind of looks at him and he goes, I do real jujitsu. <laughs> He goes, I'm not just going to sit and hunt a leg to hunt a leg, man. I'm going to, I'm going to sweep him. I'm going to use it to pass his guard. And then, right. but he, but he talked about like jujitsu as a whole, right? He's like, man, look at my matches. Look how many guys I've finished from the back and how many guys I've arm locked and how many guys I've triangled. He's like, I don't use leg locks to leg lock. He goes, I use leg locks as part of my jujitsu. He's like, yeah. they lead the sweeps. They lead the passes. He's like, that I can lead from a pass to a leg lock from a leg lock to a pass. And, and he just talked about like how, you know, he, he took like a holistic approach to jujitsu. Like, yeah, he gets a lot of leg locks cause he's better than your average guy at leg locks. But if you get out of his leg lock, that doesn't mean you win, you know? And, and yeah. a lot of these, you know, that's, that's kind of why the leg lock guy has a, has a bad reputation, right? Like, or it's got a bad connotation to that being called a leg lock guy. It's not a leg lock guy is not necessarily someone that's good at jujitsu and leg locks. It's somebody that's not good at any jujitsu other than leg locks. Right. So like you don't hear guys that are, Oh, that guy's just an arm bar guy. That guy's just a choke guy. But for some reason you get these guys that they fall in love with leg locks and they don't develop any other parts of their game. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, like, uh, like Dean Lister, for example, Dean, Dean hates being called. He's like, I'm not a leg lock guy. He's like, I've got 600 jujitsu submissions and only three of them, 300 of them are leg locks. <laughs> and it's like, well, are you a leg lock expert? Like what? Cause, cause you're pretty freaking good at leg locks, <laughs> Dean. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, but, but just, just interacting with Craig Jones and like talking to him and like listening to his, like, you know, theory on jujitsu and leg locks as, as just part of a, holistic jujitsu game i really liked him a lot more after meeting him you know and and that's not always the case with with you know people you train with so Mm -hmm. yeah 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 i think that's what a lot of those guys like craig and gordon ryan and tonin there's people think they're a leg lock person but yeah you know it everything dude those guys jujitsu is amazing yeah like you you could say hey you can't do leg locks and they're probably still gonna win the the same match right like yeah 
They're just good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think you told me, didn't you go to one of Gordon's seminars when he was injured and he taught from a chair? Uh, he, can't, I wasn't at that one, but he taught it at Kessler's place at Jason Kessler's. Yeah. And they said, it was, yeah. they said it was fantastic. His, uh, um, That's the way he explains it. Yeah. His girlfriend demoed and he explained very well. Now we did have him out after an ego. Yeah. And, um, man, he didn't even show a leg lock. He, he did all, it was very, very, very super ultra fundamental, like white to blue belt jujitsu. Like the stuff he was showing is basically in our foundation. Oh, wow. Um, he showed a couple little variations of some things and I was like, Hey man. And I'd pull him over and be like, Hey, cool. You know, why this instead of that? And he'd be like, Oh man, yeah, we, we did it this way. And then, you know, John came up. So he was, he was really cool to answer questions and, and compare and contrast stuff. And, um, really good teacher, but, but, you know, it, it was cool. Just like a lot of my students that went, they were like, Oh, this is exactly <laughs> the way James teaches, you know? And right. so kind of, kind of validated my jujitsu, you know, cause it's not like I haven't, haven't been doing it as long as Gordon Ryan's been alive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. When you see something you've been teaching taught by somebody with a, a bigger name and your students are like, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. That's awesome. That's very cool. Um, but we got the ego we talked about. Um, we'll start wrapping it up here a little bit. Um, what else you want to talk about, James? You talk about the role model camp a little? Yeah. So my wife's awesome and she does a lot of things too. So she's got the, probably the world's largest women's grappling camp, uh, called the role model R O L L. Um, we had, uh, man, even this past year we had 140 ish show up even with all the COVID right the the covid going on um but yeah man it's and it's not just training man she's got all kinds of coaches so this year coming up uh and you can get on rolemodelswanted.com if you want to check out the instructor list or or any of it but uh i know christina barlon's coming in we've got elizabeth clay coming in uh rachel casillas like um rachel just won her seventh world title in a row um rachel's one of those girls that like She's not a big name, but man, like seven world titles in a row is pretty good. And I'm pretty sure she's got like five pan titles right along with the, with the worlds. But yeah. And Rachel's actually taught at every single one of the, of the camps. Um, and then we just kind of rotate all the rest of the instructors around her. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, we're, you know, it's exciting to get like, like I said, Elizabeth Clay, Christina Barlon, and I'm, uh, and then, you know, like AJ's teaching, we've got a couple other, uh, I know just Sunier's coming out. Uh, she's a brown belt under Eric Schaefer. Um, she's a, like a, um, like a health a fitness coach. Um, so they have panels where they talk about different things like nutrition, uh, weightlifting, um, building a women's team. They have, uh, um, like a kid's, uh, Oh shoot. I'm, I'm, I'm missing the name, but it's, it's like uh, the next, next gen, I think the next generation of grapplers. So we have a, uh, like a kid's section. We have coaches that, that work in with the kids on, for different uh, like rotations. Um, yeah, man, there's a, there's a whole lot of other stuff that goes on outside of just the, the seminar. We're all training jujitsu stuff. Like last year they did a, uh, like a, a dance party with, um, they all dressed like in, uh, 1950s clothing or something. I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't there for most of it, but um, I just kind of hang out and help out when needed and lift not very heavy things. Cause most of the girls there are stronger than I am, but <laughs> that's awesome, man. Awesome. That's, that's very cool. Very yeah. Cool. She's, she's definitely built that up. That's, that's oh, crazy yeah. how big that is. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, we were doing it at our Academy. 
Um, and you know, it was like 20, 30 women, the first couple. And then, uh, and then we hit 60 one time. Um, and then we, we had, Mich- we've had a Michelle Nicolini out twice. We've had uh, Angelica Galval. Like we've had some really big name women come out. Um, and I think Michelle, we opened it up the last day she did a special, she did like a extra seminar mm-hmm. and we opened it up for guys on that one. And we ended up with well over a hundred people on our, wow. uh, our, our mat, <laughs> like at our school. Yeah. Uh, wow. and then what was it? I think it was a year before last, uh, we capped it at 60 and we were actually out of town traveling. And as soon as she opened it, it sold out. Wow. And then, so we had all these people going, Hey, like it says it sold out. There's no way it just opened. And AJ's like, uh, let me look. And so she would, she'd message me. She'd go, Hey, add 20, you know, like <laughs> add 20 to the capacity. So I added 20 and then it sold out. And she's like, add 20 more. I'm like, we're at a hundred now. Like what? we can't do this. And she's like, just <laughs> add them. And I'm like, uh, okay. So we ended up, we ended up with the over 160. Yeah. Um, and wow. that doesn't include like coaches or like anything like that. Um, but we rented out this giant, uh, like a whole section of a hotel and turned into a bigger event. So we actually have that same hotel again this year, but we have a bigger, bigger area. So we've got like over two Olympic sized mats we're, we're taking in there. And, um, you know, it's nice. The women, the women can stay at the hotel and they have all the amenities. They've got the pool, they've got access to washers and dryers and stuff like that. So, um, and then I believe, I know last year the hotel, fed them and you know they they had like all kinds of desserts at night and crazy stuff so it's a it's a really cool camp um yeah so all the all the ladies listening should come rolemodelswanted.com yeah check it out it'll be awesome and she also has a podcast right oh yeah uh beauty and the ghee um so one of uh one of our students uh Jen Eads is actually a professional podcaster um so she runs uh like the Brassy Broad. Um, I think that's her like recording studio. So she has a podcast or two or three or something like that. Oh, wow. She does. She teaches people to podcast and stuff like that. And it was just kind of, uh, um, how did it start? Oh, uh, Jen was actually doing a quick like recap when she started jujitsu would just be like my two minute recap of my jujitsu training on like one of her other podcasts. And AJ was like, man, this is like really cool. Like you should, we should maybe, do something with this. Um, and I think they're at like, uh, maybe 103 episodes now, Wow, awesome. but man, it's really good. So the, the quality is very professional, way better than this one here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, you know, there's, there's no, uh, there's no problems with my mic not working or me getting disconnected or any of that stuff. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, it sounds great. And, um, they kind of started it just to basically convince women to do jujitsu, you know, like that's awesome. It's um, very, and you know, jujitsu uh, for women's is growing and we've got a big women's team. There's, there's nights where our women outnumber our men on the mat, but wow, that's awesome. But it wasn't always like that. Right. Like really, a, I think a big part of why AJ started training was just because we would have like a female on the mat and I'd be like, I'd pop in the office and be like, Hey, how busy are you? Can you throw some gi pants on and come help this girl? Like she's real nervous, you know? Um, and, and walking into a jujitsu gym where you're going to be rolling around with sweaty, hairy, gross dudes is it's hard, you know, uh, especially, 
especially if you're coming from the scenario of wanting to defend yourself because you've been victim of, you know, yeah, something, anything like that. Right. It's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to get into those positions with, with a guy you don't know over and over again. Yeah. Right. It's hard to, you, you don't want to get choked <laughs> and smashed and stuff like that. Like, um, so she kind of started this podcast of a, you know, just kind of a way to convince women, like you need this in your life and here's why. Um, and then it's kind of expanded from there. And, you know, they, they talk about tournaments and they, they recap things and they have special guests on all the time. And, uh, man, it's just, it's, I listen to every single episode. Um, and we have guys all the time that will, you know, send them messages to me like, Hey, like I thought this was going to be a chicks episode and I happened to listen to it. And, uh, man, I'm a fan. Like you got what you guys talk about applies to everybody, you know, minus maybe some of the, like every once in a while there's a little makeup tip or something like that. But, <laughs> but, uh, that's yeah, all right. <laughs> I, don't, yeah, I don't know. I had, I had a guy come in the other day. I swear he had eyeshadow on. I called him out and he's like, no, man, I, the factory I work in, he's like, there's like graphite dust. He's like, it's just all in my eyelashes. I was like, yeah, okay, bro. It's like, whatever <laughs> you're out, you're out, you're out playing in a band on Sunday night. It's cool. Uh-huh. Get your rocker eyeliner on. But, uh, all right, man. Well, Chad, you got anything else for James? I don't think so. That's uh, yeah. I think we covered everything. Uh, hopefully we'll get James out pretty soon the next couple months. And, um, super excited for that. You know, I tell people yeah. all the time I post on Facebook, I couldn't be more proud to be a, to be a James Klingerman black belt. That means a lot to me. This is the third year already after I got rid of that crusty Brown belt. That thing was, uh, white <laughs> and yeah. barely even a belt anymore. Yeah. First time he to me he was like this was my brown belt i'm like what yeah it's white yeah. we got a lot of people it's now like, that didn't get to see it so every yeah. now and again i'll bring it in for show and tell yeah <laughs> so. i'm like that is that was brown right that wasn't like purple like <laughs> no that's a lot of a lot a lot of mat time on that belt i remember being at one of the first team trainings i was a brown belt still and uh when you do the group picture like brown belts and black belts are in the front row and I heard somebody say, what's that white belt doing? Why is he, <laughs> why is he in the front? <laughs> who's the, who's I've heard the new white belt? belt? Yeah. So, Sweet. Great time. Well, James, thanks so much for joining us, man. We appreciate your time. Appreciate everything you're doing um, for the for everything, man, with the Fight Hub and all the information that you shot out today. I'm going to take all that information. Actually, for everyone out there that's interested, I'm going to make sure that's in the uh, show notes from podcast to everything that you're doing, James. So thanks, man. Can't wait to meet you. Maybe roll a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, be great. Awesome, man. Yeah, anybody, guys. Any, cool. Anybody you want to shout out, James? Sponsors, anything? Um, man, my only sponsor uh, is Origin USA. Um, guys, yeah, seriously though. Thanks, Chad. Uh, if you're not familiar with origin, uh, the only 100% us made, uh, gi company out there. Uh, when I say gi company, I mean, everything company, they do boots and, uh, jeans and hats and gloves and (laughs) hoodies. And, but, uh, if you've not tried an origin gi, hit me up, I'll hook you up with a, with a good deal. Uh, they are amazing. They fit great. They are super soft. They have pro pants. You order them by waist and length. Um, man, they're just, and they're way stronger. They last longer. I literally don't have a single scuff or scratch on any of my, uh, any of my origin geese at all. Um, and great company, great people to work with. They've got the, uh, the Jocko line and, uh, origin labs line of products. Um, yeah, just er- everything, <laughs> everything's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm super happy with them. I've been with, I've been with origin about 
four years now. Okay. And, uh, nice. yeah, they take care of me. They, they run a huge immersion camp. Um, I got to teach there two years ago, man, like going on three, I guess. Cause they, 2020, they did not have a camp. They canceled it. Uh, so I went in 2019, I was a, a instructor in 2018. Um, so yeah, really nice. cool. Really nice. cool. Awesome. So yeah. thanks origin. Sure. You guys are, you guys are the best. Yeah. I've watched some of those, uh, origin camp videos on YouTube with you teaching. Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 yeah there's some good clips on there. Check out the night crawler. Yeah. So actually what I did, man, was I, um, somebody gave me access to like a bunch of videos they took of me and, and other coaches and stuff. So I just, I just got on YouTube and I downloaded all the videos of me and I re just kind of renamed them and stuff and reorganized oh, them and yeah. I put them up on my YouTube. So perfect. Um, yeah. So you guys yeah. weren't supposed to be videotaping <laughs> anyway. So <laughs> you know, my permission. Yeah. <laughs> Give me my stuff. <laughs> so all right, cool. Cool. All right, James. Well, thanks, awesome. man. Appreciate yeah, you. Later. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really hope you enjoyed this show. And if you did, remember, please subscribe, share, get the info out there, leave us reviews. We can be found on every major podcast platform that exists. You can follow us on Instagram at Limitless underscore Radiocast. You can find us on Facebook at Limitless Radiocast. And be sure to tune in next week for a very special guest.